Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. that music. Welcome to Silver and Gold. I am the Loaf and with me, Dr. Zahn. Hey. Yeah, so uh, we can we can thank P.S. Mr. Hayes. Um, I've been uh, sitting in the uh, the gloom uh, on my uh, my my mental sojourn and um, the, uh, I popped in a DVD, Best of the Fabulous Freebirds. And this video was the first thing on the DVD. And I was like, God damn it, I really got to record the show again. I feel like shit for not doing it. So here I am. I'm back. So get excited. You're in the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. It was bad. It was a self induced Fortress of Solitude. I put up those. Well, I don't know. The last I read, Superman was in a jungle fortress. I was going to say icy walls, but he moved to Africa somewhere. Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what. Ha- I don't know what's what's changed now. But uh, he just wears a fucking t-shirt now. Too. <laughs> well, this was back in like 2004, oh. and um, his his fortress got blowed up, hmm. and uh, he uh, he built a new one in uh, in a pyramid or something in Africa, some kind of, or maybe it was South America, something like that, something jungle looking. Um, we're back with a, an official show. Um, I thank, thank you, Zom, for, uh, really taking up the slack there. Um, I don't have any really good excuses for my absence other than just got my head up my ass. So now that it's out, I've got all the poop washed out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> we're ba- I'm back. I'm watching some movies again. It's been a while. God. We haven't even had uh, we haven't even had Bad Street on the show in what six weeks or something. So. Has it been that long? Yeah. Well, how Jesus. are you? How are you, sir? Um, I'm all right. I just uh, the weather has changed. I yeah. don't like daylight savings time, <laughs> and I am finally sleeping. I went about three or three or four weeks with uh, sleeping about three hours a day, oh, and that's. That leads to poor mental health. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about I that. I sat in a corner rubbing poop on my head. <laughs> Wait a minute. We've all been doing the same thing. Yeah. I think it's – well, I, I, one thing is um, up until like just a couple of days ago, it just had been snowing and and icy and just shitty out like every fucking day. I mean it, you couldn't go do anything, so – um, but now I think things are turning around. Yeah, maybe not. 
Well, uh, after the last time we recorded, I was just like, I don't know. It, and it, honestly, it's been this way since probably Christmas. And just lacking focus is the really easy way to put it. I couldn't, I couldn't just keep my mind on anything. And it was making it hard for me to like feel like doing this show at all. I just didn't feel like doing much of anything. And that, and there was a, a span of about four days where I called out sick and had off work. And just, that was like bottom of the barrel time. And, uh, I was just like, something's gotta, something's gotta change. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent mentally, but I'm uh, I'm working on it, and uh, that was better than I was doing last few weeks. So, do you think it has anything to do with the pussification of America? <laughs> yeah, all these women raising us, and yeah, yeah, we just need to learn how to be men. How to? Your estrogen levels are just really high. Your nipples been sore? Oh, constantly. Oh, see. You need to go out and get in a fight. Yeah. You've been punched in the face. Go out and start a fight and lose. <laughs> I just do that with myself all the time. That's the thing I could never understand about Fight Club is when he'd say, you have to go out. Okay, your assignment is go pick a fight and lose. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I might, he, he, that might not even be a choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's never... the worst part, you know. You don't have a choice sometimes when you lose. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, I would lose essentially every time unless I just picked like a 12 year old, and even then it might be close. You never know. Ah, uh, so well, this week we are doing. Um, so we're uh, switching up the format a little, making this show a little more streamlined on our side of things, our side of things. But we are. Um, we're going to go to a more uh, free-flowing, like play-it-by-ear type show. We're just going to kind of, we're going to pick a couple movies. We're not, we're going to, for right now at least, going to skip the um, the double feature idea. So I'm sure we'll find some tenuous links between them as we discuss them every week. Maybe. But if not, no big deal. And this is going to take a little pressure off us trying to get the show together. And, um, we, and we can decide during the week what we're going to be watching. So this will be even more reason for all you lovely listeners who have stuck with uh, my bullshit over the last few weeks and uh, stuck with the show to um, join the Facebook group. So we'll be posting there what we will be watching if you do like to play along. So, um, so yeah, this week we're doing uh, Victim uh, from 1961 and The Case of the Bloody Iris from 1972, a giallo. So... But before we get into that, we'll talk about what we've been watching. Obviously, I've watched quite a bit, but so I won't go into everything. But Zom, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, you were hitting it pretty hard. Yeah, uh, in your return, um, I I did not watch that much. I started off with a bang, but then uh, I started watching hockey, so yeah. that kind of killed everything. And uh, it's been a, a banner season. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think how what Carolina might have. 15 wins now? No, yeah. maybe 20. Between uh, Carolina, Philadelphia, and the Maple Leafs, I think that's it's the Troika of poop. Um, oh, wait. Carolina has won 26 games. They are they are knocking on 500. They are eight Yeah, they've below been 500. winning lately. Yeah. And the Flyers win like every other game. If they play somebody really like the best team in the league, they'll beat them. But if they play like the worst team, they lose. If they play Carolina, so, they lose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't have that much. I watched a documentary about a guy named Mad Frankie Fraser, uh, who was a 
British uh, gangster, and uh, it was pretty good. Um, I bought that at a fucking flea market, I think, in Indianapolis about, it seems like, five years ago. Um, but the, but the, the thing about that, and then I watched another documentary about the craze, and the thing about, like, the one, the Frankie Frazier one that, that uh, is like a tie-in, they, they had all these people on there, these other gangsters on there talking about him. And one of the guys was um, the guy that they based the character of Big Chris that uh, Vinnie Jones played on. So I, which I didn't know, you know, I was sitting there watching and, and they, they said that this was the guy, you know, so it was kind of cool. The craze, they actually made a movie with the, um, the two twins from Spandau Ballet. Uh, they made a, an actual biopic about that, but I think they're making a, someone said they're making a new one and Tom, cause the craze were twins, uh, the real guys. And when I posted about this, Someone said on our group that uh, they're making a new movie about the craze, and Tom Hardy is playing both of them. Ooh. So that's kind of interesting. Kind of gave me a bona. Yeah. Uh, no pussification here. Still rock hard. Um, <laughs> next thing I watched was... Uh, Don't no, it's this... like the head of a drum. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> the head of a piece of spaghetti. Um <laughs> <laughs> let's see the next thing i watched this is another one uh that has sit on the shelf for a long time and i never watched it um it's 1975's the hindenburg with george c scott uh it's got like a whole bunch of people in it including ann bancroft uh gig young burgess meredith charles durning and a bunch of other people um this one you know it's it's like they took the the hindenburg the dirt was it dirigible uh or is it dirigible or dirigible uh, the blimp the blimp and, and it blew up you know flying over here and over uh, humanity yeah it, but they they made they actually had a kind of a build a story around that um kind of like uh the movie um i was talking about last week skyjacked where the flight they're trying to figure out somebody says that there's a that there's possibly going to be sabotage. Somebody's going to try and blow up the blimp. And so then George C. Scott's trying to figure out who the fuck's, you know, who's behind this. But it was the one thing that was kind of cool about it is um, I never knew in all the times that you saw those videos or pictures of the Hindenburg blowing up, catching on fire, that when I first saw it in the movie and it was sitting there, you know, getting ready to take off, it had big swastikas on the back, like wings <laughs> that, yeah, I didn't think about it being, you know, around, um, the time of Nazi Germany. Yeah. I thought it was maybe before that it was actually kind of, it was before they started attacking and everything, but the Nazis had been in power and George C. Scott actually plays a German, you know, but he doesn't talk like that. He just talks like George C. Scott always did. <laughs> um, I've uh, been watching, I watched the first two episodes of, uh dig which is a usa tv show um i don't know i just for some reason it was on and i thought i'd give it a peek i've been they they've promoted the fucking shit out of um out of this new series and it looked kind of intriguing it stars that the dude um jason isaacs who i believe played the bad guy in what was the mel gibson revolutionary war movie the patriot the patriot and he also played kind of the bad guy in green zone with matt damon he was the special forces guy that looked like um uh ali g <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> he did green zone. 
Oh, he, he, he had like a fucking Fu Manchu mustache. And then because they were flying in helicopters in the desert, he would have these these goggles on all the time. And I was like, the guy looks like fucking Ali G. So, but he was <laughs> a badass, I guess. Anyway, he's pretty good in that. It's got some, uh, kind of seems like it has some uh, religious shit in it, which is kind of fun. Um, I watched The Wolverine again with Hugh Jackman. Um, I forgot how much I like this. I actually watched it two days in a row, back to back, because I was just like, man, this is cool. Uh, lots of uh, parkour stuff and chases, and I like all the stuff over in Japan, especially when they're in downtown Tokyo in the bullet train. And I thought that I like both the chicks in it. Um, the one chick kind of has like an E.T. head, but I thought she was really cool, and I hope she comes back. Uh, who plays Yukio? Next thing I watched was a awesome find on YouTube, um, the remastered version of The Family or Sitia Valenta, Violent City, starring Charles Bronson, directed by Sergio Salima. Uh, this is really good. I The only copies I have seen of this are really shitty, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're like cut. They're not widescreen. Um, look like shit uh, a lot uh, obviously a lot of the nudity was cut out because i don't ever remember seeing jill ireland as in this as naked as she was is she there was a part in this... of the racetrack in that one yeah okay yeah yeah that's a good one and uh telly Saval's in it he's really young bronson looks great it's got it's really good um i think ken said this was like his favorite uh bronson it's fucking good i might actually buy the blu-ray or whatever anchor bay i guess remastered that one uh let's see next thing i got into some sinful cinema um i think it's because i was watching uh the case of the uh, bloody iris on youtube and then it offers up other movies and this one was 1995's never talk to strangers with the bandaras and rebecca de mornay and harry dean stanton this movie's fucking hot, man. <laughs> I never saw it, and uh, it's good. <laughs> it's got. Yeah, we'll put, I'll tell you one thing. You you will see uh, the the Bandaras turning on his uh, his uh, sex appeal. Uh, they show his ass uh, quite a few times. Uh, Rebecca De Mornay. There's a scene where he lives in like a loft. And it has uh, has I don't know what it was for maybe it was some kind of story it had like a security cage in it and that's where he has his bed and everything and she's like starts seducing him and like pushes him up against the cage like she's frisking him mm-hmm. and then she pulls his pants down I swear to God I thought she was gonna start eating his asshole because <laughs> she started like biting his butt cheeks and stuff. Which, I mean, they showed. And then she goes on the other side of the cage and starts sticking her tongue, which she had a long tongue, started sticking her tongue through the cage. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. And I'd never seen that. I was like, man, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) So I watched it twice. Yeah. uh, I'd watch it again. Might get the blue. Um, I went back in time, in the time machine, and watched 1954's Pushover, starring Fred McMurray and uh, Kim Novak. This one was pretty good. It was, um, it kind of reminded me of a, um, oh shit, what's the one that he did with uh, Barbara Stanwyck where he was the insurance guy and um, she was going to try and kill her husband or something. It sort of reminded me of that where, but um, in this, what was the name? It wasn't DOA. It was, um, wait, wasn't that, wasn't that Fred McMurray also? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, double indemnity. Double indemnity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just not the exact same thing, but it's it's kind of like a a bad girl tempting a good guy to mm-hmm. to to do, and he's a cop, and she is the mall of a gangster, and and the one thing I like about it is um they're sur- surveilling this gangster. So it kind of has almost like a peeping Tom kind of a thing too, because uh, they live in a, um, a skyscraper or like a, you know, a big, big, if I call it a skyscraper, but you know, and uh, the cops are watching him. Well, when like Fred McMurray watches her all the time. And then when the other guy comes to take over for him, he's got some other chick that he watches in the building that doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, and he's probably sitting there whacking off. Anyway, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next thing I watched was um uh, another Fred Mac movie, Fred McMurray movie, uh 1950s Borderline uh with him and uh Claire Trevor and Raymond Burr. Now this one um I thought it was going to be more like hardcore badass gangster stuff. It is, but it's got a lot of lighthearted stuff and it's got some funny shit in it too. And uh Raymond Burr as big as he is, he wears like a this this white suit I think he has it has like a black tie, but it's a white shirt, a completely white suit, and white shoes. He looks like a stay free marshmallow. Is that <laughs> stay puff marshmallow man. That's a that's a is it stay free? Stay free is the pit tampons. Tampons. <laughs> I guess he, he could look like, like a stay free. Is stay free? Is that? He kind of looks like a big tampon, but he also looks like the the puffy uh, marshmallow man, which is cool and it's funny. Claire Trevor. Uh, there's a part in it where they're trying. They want a, a chick to infiltrate this this uh, gang of gangsters, and uh, she's there and she's a female cop, but she's kind of a schlub. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, "Nah," and she goes, "Well, I'll do it." And they were like, "Nah, you know, you can't do it." And uh, the one guy goes, "We need somebody who's who's uh, who's gonna be able to look like a a trashy whore." And she goes, and the, the one guy looks at her and he goes, "Yeah, she can do that." <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty. It was alright. Um, I I don't know if I had a Birdman um thing going, but I watched uh two back to back uh Michael Keaton movies, classic yeah. Michael Keaton from '84, Johnny Dangerously, uh, and I almost forgot Joe Piscopo lived on the planet Earth, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, it's good. It's still good. It's still funny. The the Fragen Bastic and the Ice Holes. And stuff like that's pretty funny. I used to crack up when I was a kid at the fucking ass and squished in the in the car window. Yeah. When he's like, that's something you don't see every day. Who I'm trying to, I was gonna look this up and of course I didn't do it beforehand. Uh who played the guy that that said frag and bostage and all that shit? <laughs> I don't remember. Richard Dimitri, I guess is the guy that played. I don't even know who he is, but he was fucking hilarious. And I was surprised because I haven't seen this in so long. Um, that uh, Alan Hale Jr., who played the skipper on Gilligan's Island, makes an appearance. Calling all cars, calling all cars. Uh, and I also watched um, another Keaton, which is 1982's Night Shift, about the love brokers. Uh, this was directed by Ron Howard, and uh, it's him and Henry Winkler and Shelley Long look pretty good in this. Uh, and they become... It's funny. That's pre-Cheers, or right when she started. Yeah, it's it's funny watching a movie where uh, guys decide to become pimps, and they're funny. Because then you watch like stuff about pimp, real pimps, and it's not funny. Um, <laughs> what did? I, wait, I watched something. Oh, I watched uh, 
vive la vie or whatever like one like live your life or whatever oh, yeah. the uh, godard movie about the pimp yeah he was he was an asshole yeah you mean that pimps they're not they're not funny um <laughs> what is the what's the dan Aykroyd pimp movie that was dr detroit Doctor yeah, there's another yeah. one a funny pimp <laughs> waka waka uh, Selling whores. face with a switchblade and says, laugh it up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Um, I watched, uh, the last thing I watched was uh, In Harm's Way. I bought this uh, when I bought my portable DVD player, and I thought I'll, I'll buy a, a few new DVDs um, because they're pretty cheap now. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has a hell of a fucking cast. Uh, John Wayne, Kirk Douglas, uh, Patricia Neal. Uh, let's see. You got uh, Henry Fonda's in it, James Mitchum, Slim Pickens, Carol O'Connor. It's got just a shit. It's one of those uh, movies that just where they just uh, like a, I guess like an epic where they put like Henry Fonda's in it, but mm-hmm. his part is maybe less than maybe three to five minutes long, but he's still great in it. It's awesome. Uh, and I've seen this a bazillion times, and I did not realize that this one chick at the beginning. Uh, who's a, a um, naval officer's wife who gets drunk at this party and starts acting like a whore was Barbara Boucher. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fucking holy shit. Um, this one, it's got like a lot of World War II stuff in it, but it's a, it's a pretty saucy movie as far as showing like uh, uh, these guys like fucking around mm-hmm. and, and uh, like the one guy, Kirk Douglas's wife, who's Barbara Boucher, is he's like out at sea and she's like fucking all the other officers and stuff, making him look like a putz. And just, you know, it's got like some, some really sleazy kind of undertones, which was a surprise. And then the one I read that um, they said that John Wayne's performance is um, more subdued in this. And then it was speculated that the reason it was, was like right after they got done filming this, he found out he had lung cancer Ooh. And he had to have his, uh, his like left lung completely removed and two of his ribs. So yeah, that'll probably fucking uh, slow you down there a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, that was Auto Preminger, by the way. Me. That's all I have. Cool. Well, as I said, I I I got back on it. February. God, I haven't been on the show in February. It was pretty slow, but I uh, picked it up in March. I've been posting, trying to post all that I've been watching, but I just figured I would go over a few. Like, uh, I just went over my list and I keep a little spreadsheet and I put a rating and, um, I'll just go over my, my biggest disappointments (laughs) and my favorite movies that I've watched over the last month and a half or however long it's been. Um, one related to the show you did, and I don't remember the name of the documentary, but the last movie, the Dennis Hopper, Mm. Dennis Hopper, Dennis Hopper movie. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I posted this on the group. What the fuck was he thinking with this movie, or not? But because this, I, I don't understand how Will and Sammy like this garbage. Yeah, what a fucking mess this was. Like it made no sense, and like, oh <laughs> god, it was so bad. I when I listened to their show when they reviewed that, I was like, what the fuck were they watching? You oh. know? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the the synopsis is a film shoot in Peru goes badly wrong. Yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not the storyline. Yeah. That's the bio. Oh, Jesus. It's fucking like it, pussification of America. Yeah, I think that's what it if was. If you watch that, you know, and think it's... But there's people that, that 
will swear by that movie and and say you know God. they'll they'll pull out the Yodawarski fucking no, influences no. and all this and that not even close yeah oh what a mess um yeah poop let's see I watched um and I've never seen this and I've been meaning to the Brothers Bloom um I like Ryan Johnson a lot he did Looper which I've made no no secret of my adoration for uh brick i loved that came out before this he's mm-hmm. been chosen to f- do direct two star wars movies oh um and brothers bloom has rachel vice like her adrian brody i like him mark ruffalo i like him and this movie was really boring like yeah i really didn't like it at all like i was like about an hour in i was like okay i'll tell you the first like 15 minutes i was like oh, i'm on board with this this is kind of quirky it's kind of wes anderson-y and it just didn't like it just never really took off yeah and it didn't work for me either and i and it's one of those ones that i wanted to like yeah I, while i was watching it i was trying to like it and i didn't and while i when i looked up the all the people that were in it i thought of you saying maximilian shell <laughs> um so yeah that was a disappointment uh another one was uh, the classic "Don't judge a book by its cover." Um, mean Johnny Barrows with Fred the Hammer has this amazing poster with Fred in a white suit with double barrel, like double, two double-barreled shotguns firing them, and flames and pissed-off people. And goddamn, this movie was boring. Um, I'll tell you what: if if you're gonna look for a Fred Williamson movie. Just find the ones that he acted in, because if he directs it, it's going to be garbage. I don't think I've seen one movie of his that he directed. I, I can probably prove it wrong. Off the top of my head, every movie that I've seen of him that he's directed has been shitty. And there's a lot of people that appeared in this. Um, Stuart Whitman was in it. I think Elliot Gould appeared in there at one point. Like He was like a homeless guy. Roddy McDowell. Um, God damn, who else was in this? But I don't know. God, it don't don't waste your time. This is garbage. And I watched this with another black exploitation that I was expecting to be bad, and it was boring. So I was really disappointed that two in a row were just kind of bullshit. So, uh, and another one that was a letdown for me was uh, God of Gamblers. Yeah. Um, this is a a, a Chow Yun Fat movie where I thought it was going to be more of an action movie. It's Chow Yun Fat and Andy Lau. And the movie is he's like literally the god of gamblers. He has almost this supernatural power to bet on anything and win. And he's he's a cool, cool dude. The first little bit of this is really good, but what happens, he there's a there's a twist in it where he gets amnesia and he's being taken advantage of by these people that are broke. But he doesn't remember all the time that he's like he doesn't know who he is or anything. And there's a lot of just like I don't know. It's 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 like it's almost like a comedy movie. There's not a, there's only like little bursts of action in it that there you you know they were what they were going for when he picks up two pistols at once. But there's just I don't know. There wasn't enough of it. A lot of like it's a lot of Hong Kong humor, which wears really thin with me really quick. Um, I I I was I had high hopes for this one. I I had not seen it ever, and I was hoping that I would like it more. But I was just kind of. It was just kind of average for me after after I watched the whole thing, and it's over two hours long. So I was like, "Shit!" I just dedicated a lot of time to this boring thing. So, <laughs> um, so I'll go over some movies that uh, I mean, I don't I don't guess they were surprising, but ones that really stuck with me. Um, 
I watched uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Mm. Um, Robert Altman is always. I liked I liked Mash a lot, but Robert Altman's kind of hit or miss for me sometimes. I, I think I just have to be in the mood or something. Um, but this movie, I was I, I and I remember you 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 were saying that you lost this review with uh, El Goro, yeah. and I imagine both of you probably like this one quite a bit. It's a it's a really bleak western, um, and he did. I, what's that? What did you say? Huh? What did you say something? I said just what you needed. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's—I I mean, this is—it's good. It's really good. The Beatty is really good in it. Um, I love the setting. The um, wherever they filmed it was—it looked fantastic. This is this is a pretty great movie, um, and definitely a uh, kind of a bucking the trend type western. It's it's more of a drama than a western. It's just western in the in its setting, and the the the. I guess the climax of the movie definitely goes in the in the face of normal westerns. So, I like this one a lot. Um, I watched. Let's see, there were it was like National Women's Day or something recently, and um, I love how the El Rey Network always posts little nicely edited together little videos, kind of promoing what they're going to be showing. So they were showing three like a a a, a marathon of kung fu movies about women and uh one i picked one i hadn't seen out of that list called the lady assassin from 82 and um this was a wuxia and it was fucking it was awesome like it's super it's it's like faster paced than a lot of shaw brothers movies i think they just really amped like ramped up the speed of the the fighting and there's some crazy shit like it's like um you know the people flying through the air type kung fu with lots of sword fights and there's some ninjas in it, uh, people getting cut in half, like from the head down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. I was I had a lot of fun with this one. I really liked it. Um, and another one I really liked was the victim, uh, or Shin Bu Yu Ji. This is Sammo Hung, written. I mean, not written, uh, directed and starred in, and it also has Beardy. And um, this is a cool one. It's like a kind of a revenge story um and it 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 walks the line well for me with the um, amount Sammo Hung's always going to have comedy in his movies mm-hmm. cuz I I watched a I watched a Jackie Chan movie and I didn't put it in my disappointments list cuz I wasn't really expecting to be into it I watched uh Rumble in the Bronx and it was just okay for me again like and this one wasn't even because of the comedy it was just because of, like I don't know the story just got a little boring for me but the victim is really fucking good the kung fu is like Really excellent. Um, Beardy, um, what is his name? Uh, Kayan Lung. Kayan Lung? Yeah, something like that. He, um, I read that he, that he was just physically exhausted after having to film the last scene because of how trying it was. And, and another amazing thing I learned about him is he was never trained in martial arts. He was just so, he was just really good at imitating what people would show him. Mm. So, but, Really good one there, and uh, another one, the last one, uh, Farewell, My Lovely, from 1975, uh, a uh, Robert Mitchum doing uh, doing the uh, Philip Marlowe, except he's older, um, and the my make-or-break moment in this movie was fucking Mitchum and the, the, the fat, like, madam at the whorehouse. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? I don't think I've ever seen it. 
Oh my god, I'm picking this one for the review sometimes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, it was it's 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 good stuff. I liked it a lot. Um, I'll have to put this one on my list. To what cover. year was that made? Seventy five. Okay, yeah, I remember it, seeing the box art and just thinking, you know, got, um, here's Mitchum and he looked really old. Yeah, but they 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 talk about that because I think in the original story that Marlo's supposed to be younger, mm-hmm. um, but they they change it appropriately for this screenplay and he, you know, he talks about being tired and stuff like that. So, but I, I liked it a lot, but you, you'll, you, when you see the scene I'm talking about, you'll like, it. so I'm glad I didn't uh, spoil it for you, but it's good. Um, and it's, it's, it's sleazy for a, it's neo-noir, but it's, it's, it's it would be sleazy for a noir and they make it, they, you know, it's, and uh, Charlotte Rampling's super hot. So, Yeah. Cool. Well, that was it. I mean, well, that wasn't it. That's, that's my, that's my list and I'm sticking with it. Um, why don't we take a break and come back and we'll just go in chronological order this week we'll talk about Victim from 1961 we'll be right back are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. You woke up with a cock in your mouth. Would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. To look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right the character arm. Character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or AreYouSeriousPodcast.com. read the I'll read half of it or the the first two thirds of it and that'll kind of all right so a prominent <clears throat> sorry a prominent lawyer goes after a blackmailer who threatens gay men with exposure homosexual acts still being illegal <laughs> there you go that's good enough ooh um, this is directed by Basil Dearden Basil Basil um, and starring Dirk. Bogard, amongst other people. Uh, Zom, what'd you think of Victim? Well, okay. See, this, uh, the movie is interesting in a couple of different ways. Uh, 
one thing okay it's a it's a good movie and i think it's well acted and everything for mm-hmm. the and uh uh the subject matter and the time that it was made it, it is like a story within it, it or in itself oh yeah um at a certain and watching it now it almost seems i mean it's like you just want to yell at the screen you know what the fuck is wrong with you people you know because they're gay yeah it's i mean literally no, I mean... illegal <laughs> like no i mean it's literally illegal which is bizarre like i you know sodomy laws or whatever they would call them you know like it's i don't know what are you talking about now okay so but it's just weird in uh, you know today they they still it's still um has it progressed as far as it needs to but mm-hmm. when you look back at and this is not that long ago 19 yeah. what 1961 where if you were gay you could be put in jail <laughs> it's so crazy and even the cops um the 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 one cop that's that's the or like the main like the chief or the captain or whatever he is even saying you know this is stupid because what it does is it actually leads to uh wor- not I shouldn't say worse crimes because it's not a crime to start with but it actually leads to crime because these uh, men and women who are homosexual um are put in a in a position by the state by the law the government that um to to be blackmailed because if they're exposed then they can be ruined they can be put in prison they can um you know and, and it's i you know i guess looked down on or whatever anyway that um someone can if someone finds out you know their secret then they're ripe for blackmail and their life is made miserable because that's that's one thing throughout the movie it is uh, with the blackmailer, it's like you are the sheep to be sheared. You are the victim, and they're the predator. And um, over and over and over, these people will, you know, they'll get a little letter in the mail with a, a picture or whatever saying, you know, send us thousand, you know, uh, $500, $200, $1,000 or whatever, or we'll expose you. They send them the fucking money thinking they're going to get the, the negative, and then they never get the negative. The guys because, just keep stringing them along. Yeah, it's like a, a, a leech that that um, is living off of this person. You're, you're just being used. And um, Dirk Bogart is – he started out uh, in the 50s. I guess he, he was uh, in a series of, of films, and he was actually like a heartthrob. He was kind of mm-hmm. like a Rock Hudson-like character where he was this heartthrob that all the women, you know, adored and everything. And uh, not knowing that he was gay uh, in his real life. But um, that's why when he t- when he started getting, I shouldn't say later in his life, because this is, uh, oh, I saw somebody, it went boop, boop, and somebody popped in. Um, he had the courage to take on a role like this and other roles that were not mainstream, mm-hmm. including like Night Porter and some of these movies. Now, when this movie first came out, um, they wouldn't release it because 
Um, yeah, like that band here, right? Yeah, because Hollywood had a certain uh, – the, the Hollywood, the code thing had a certain thing about uh, references to homosexuality and things like that. They They would allow – you really had to tiptoe around it mm-hmm. or you or it would be like someone uh putting a, an uber stereotype of a flamboyant you know flaming guy and you see that in all in all in all these old movies where they you know and it's it's almost kind of gr- it's it is gross it's not kind of gross yeah. it's like a breakfast at tiffany's with mickey rooney with the big coke bottle Glasses, you know, saying chong 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 chong, chong you know, uh, <laughs> playing an Asian person uh, or, or Boris Karloff or whoever in Fu Manchu. That's the way, you know, it, 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 the code at that time was almost like the law in this uh, movie where because they had that code that said if you're going to um, – Put anything in with a homosexual character, they have to be over the top clown. It, it, that's it's like a it, it created a victimization. The, act, the actual code, like the law in this movie, created a victimization of homosexuals because then there's this stereotype and everybody's like, "Oh my God, you're a flaming queen," or you know, "What a fairy," or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a um, almost like a holding back like even when um you know my my grandparents or my parents to certain extent or whatever before uh when the only thing they were exposed to because of segregation with african americans you, you you weren't around them because you didn't go to school with them and if you went to see a movie or fr- from um uh pride of nation or whatever where they show the union soldiers and the the african-american union soldiers raping the white women or they would show you know a shuck and jive stereotype of an african-american in film it it keeps up a fear and a misunderstanding and a hatred or a you know it's just a, a really gross thing and i and and we're slowly finally dragging ourselves you know and some people still kicking and screaming uh with the pussification of america (laughs) and all this stuff like that you know which is a a reference i've made a couple times during the show that someone had brought up that you know uh that there's a an act an actual um plot and i told loaf it's almost like a tyler durden thing from fight club mm-hmm. where he said you know we we've all been raised by women and and you know if you want to we need to get back to being, being a real man so go out and get in a fight and you know get punched in the face and it's so stupid um it's the dumbing down of of society where they want you to remain hateful and divided uh which that to me is more of a plot where they keep race divided and uh sexuality divided and 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 religion divided but so anyway dirk bogart in this movie is a barrister and that's another thing when you it's like a a time capsule where there's and i don't know if they still do or not in england where the barristers are lawyers and the judges still wear the the powdered wigs. powdered wigs. I think they do. I think they do, and that's to me is like I, I know it's tradition and everything, but some traditions, you know, should be put in the, in, in you know, I was going to say in the closet, but um, well, I, well, I was watching um, 
I was watching a Hong Kong movie from the eighties, <laughs> and they wear them. They were wearing them there too. <laughs> was, uh, that one was really well, weird. Yeah, Hong Kong was like, a, isn't that a? Wasn't that it, a well, British it was. Yeah, it belongs yeah. to China again, but yeah, Brita- It was a British uh, province or. Now it belongs to China, and it's just uh, kangaroo court. <laughs> they don't, they, <laughs> we don't need a powdered wig. You're guilty. Sign the confession or we'll pull your <laughs> yeah. fingernails out, um, which that might even be a, a gross uh, stereotype right there because I'm sure things have changed over there. But he's a barrister, and he's uh, of uh, quite a bit of prominence because he's getting uh, to the point where um, he's he they're, they're giving him um, – I don't know if it would be like a Supreme Court spot here, or if yeah, it was he's just going to become high, like a higher a higher judge. Yeah, like a judge, you know. And uh, but he's really well thought of and everything. He's married, and um, at first, the first time I saw this, I, I bought it because the first time I saw it, I think was on YouTube, and I didn't know anything about it, and I thought, I wonder what this is, you know, and. Um, I was really surprised, you know, I, I had, I just knew, I thought it was, had something to do with blackmail, but I didn't know anything about the story. And I, and then when I watched it, I thought, well, this is really good. And it's an interesting topic. Um, but he, as I said before, receives a, um, well, actually at the beginning of this, he just keeps getting phone calls, uh, from a young man, uh, and he either hangs up the phone or he, he tells the guy, you know, uh, don't call here again. I'm telling you, leave, you know, leave me alone. Don't call here again. Um, so you're really not sure what's going on at first. And then, um, you start, they start, you start to see, um, while this is going on, other, uh, men, receiving these letters in the mail with the with a picture and they don't show the picture uh offhand of, of what they're looking at but they look at it and immediately they're you know uh overcome with anxiety and mm-hmm. fear and everything and what it is is like i said they're being blackmailed and you don't know who's doing the blackmailing or anything and you go through the 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 police um are investigating a, a death and it's pretty much they kind of figure out what's going on and um but the whole bogard um his character's situation is is a little bit different but he knows what's going on he he comes to find out what's going on with these other people and he wants to put a stop to it but it took me a little while when I first watched it because I was thinking that the young guy that was contacting him was involved in the scheme. Right, and that's but, well, and his his, and that's probably intentional because you know you learn later on that that's what he thought as well. Right, and, but the one thing I do like is, like I said, you, you never see, and and it's not necessary to see the pictures. Uh, you don't know what's going on, or, or you don't know what's going on in the pictures. But in one scene toward the end of this movie, Bogart is looking at. Uh, I'm trying to think. He shows, I think, the picture to his somebody. Butler. Yeah, his butler, and you can almost see through the reflections in a fly- fireplace or whatever. You can almost see what's in the picture, which is him and the younger guy in the car. Yeah. And actually, when they explain the the photo, 
the butler even says if there were no if there if there were no tears they there's really nothing here and when you think about it and you kind of see the the uh, the the backward picture you can just make out what's happening there really is nothing going on but that's all there, it took in, yeah in that time it, that would be all it took and um most the the one thing another thing uh, there are several like th- there's a bar that uh that uh these a lot of these people in the movie frequent and um you see like uh the bartender <clears throat> um he talks to everybody in the bar he's just as nice as could be to everybody in the bar and everything and then at one point after like some people leave he makes like a really derogatory comment about uh somebody being a puff or or whatever comment that he used i can't remember and they said well you know what are you talking about and he goes basically saying you know hey i don't have any problem with these people i'll their money spends like everybody else but i don't (laughs) want to have to you know i don't agree with it or whatever right so even in that situation it shows kind of an ugly side where people uh he's he's almost like a parasite um living off of of this this group of people and he'll like a parasite he'll keep his his customers or his host alive so he can feed off of them and get their money but he still you know has a, a certain a really ugly disdain in his heart which is really kind of gross um the the guy that the villains in this, um, there's one guy in particular, the uh, the mu- basically the muscle or the, um, uh, the the guy that does the the intimidating and the leg work. He was really oh, what a piece of shit he is. He was very good, but he was uh, as far as playing the part. But like you just said, total <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Uh, I, I think they left those goggles on him on purpose to make him yeah. even more annoying looking. Like almost like a like a like a psychopath or something. He's not. When I say psychopath, a lot of people immediately go to like he's uh, like a Hannibal Lecter, not like that, but just someone a sadist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is uh, you're not going to intimidate him. He and 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 really physically, he he doesn't really. He intimidates like the one part where he tears up the guy's barber shop. Um, you only see a cer- a little bit of that where he knocks some stuff down, uh, but you know that this guy's capable of you know just about anything, and and he's he's done this so many times that he knows what he needs to do. Um, you have a couple of guys that again. Uh, I, I use the term parasites. Uh, they hang out at this bar, and the one older gentleman is blind. But because he's blind, he's almost like Matt Murdock from Daredevil. <laughs> he has this keen, acute sense of hearing, and so he eavesdrops. And if it was a Robert Altman movie, he probably would have went crazy because everybody would be talking at the same time. <laughs> but but he he can almost like uh um zone in on conversations because his hearing is is more acute because he's he's blind and he eavesdrops and and then he picks up on what people are saying because even though uh 
like being gay or lesbian is illegal at this time, which just saying that is just so it's so, it's so weird, s- yeah. moronic and so stupid. Neanderthal, um, he, when people are in a bar, in a bar situation where there's a lot of people talking and everything, um, they they feel more like uh, free. I mean, they're not standing up on a table screaming, you know, ah, you know, I'm gay or whatever. But when they're talking to their the, their own people or people of you know that are they're friends with that they're comfortable with, they're more likely, especially with alcohol and and having loose lips from drinking, to to discuss things or talk about things or whatever. And um, so he. That's their scam. They overhear this, and then they start following people. and And the guy the, on the uh, on the motorcycle, uh, I guess he's you know with a has a camera, and he's basically almost like a peeping tom, stalking these people and taking pictures in compromising positions or whatever. And back then, a com- you know uh, when I say compromising positions now, say you think of like the <laughs> the movie with Roy Scheider, Fifty Two Pickup. Uh, or something like that, where you're thinking, okay, they have pictures of somebody actually like fucking. Well, <laughs> at this point in time, because of the laws and and how things are looked at, I mean, they could just have a, a picture of you, like a, yeah, holding hands or something, or just you know sharing uh, a bed with some mustache asshole. <laughs> exactly. What? Anyway, <laughs> 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 they should have a picture of me on the cover of this, like Dirk Bogart on the box cover, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with victim over the top of it <laughs> we would be doomed uh i'd be like i don't give a shit fuck you um so anyway <laughs> we tear down the walls and 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 bring a, forth a bright new day yeah yeah um we are hetero what anyway um i i just i, I the one thing about this is, is like if they made this movie today I don't think it would – I guess it would have the impact because people like us watching this movie would be like, this is so stupid. And it would insane. have to be like instead of being a legal thing, it would be blackmail. The picture would be shown and be – or it might not be, but it would be a more risque subject matter. Right. And instead of being a lawyer, he would be like a Tea Party member or yeah. – or uh, like some kind of he would be a politician or he would be like the head of a church or something or if they made it like a futuristic thing where in in a, a like a fascist society in the future where they go back they re- regress and go back to things like this like <laughs> burning someone at the stake i mean that's the, this like yeah like, like v for vendetta kind of society yeah v for yeah. vendetta or this reminds me of um like a not a scarlet letter, but the one with uh, John Proctor, um, where he's ha- have infidelity. Uh, they're Quakers or whatever, and he's having infidelity with his with a young girl, and then she claims, you know, that she's been taken. It's revolved around the Salem witch trials and everything, right? Uh, or something like that. But that that that's the thing that makes this. I mean, like I said, I think the acting and everything in it is top notch. He's really good. Uh, Bogart's really good, and to uh, contextually speaking, it makes it very interesting. Like, um, I don't think this would be kind of a risque movie at all today, unless something was really heavily changed about it. And I take back my thing about being a church leader or a Tea Party member because 
you have to feel sympathy for the <laughs> and I can't imagine Hollywood making a sympathetic like uh Catholic priest or I can't you know you know what I mean unless they were like it was uh, alcoholic type story for a priest right. or whatever and I can't imagine them making a sympathetic politician in any way um <laughs> so it would be it would have well, to be more um, I don't know I don't know how they would You had it. the um oh what was the one with Clooney where he got the he was the guy running for president and he got the girl pregnant and she had to have an abortion and she killed herself yeah, see, yeah, but like, was that? if I can't you want to keep the, the, the blackmail for being Michael gay Clayton. thing, though, I guess no, politi- politician could still work. What was that? It wasn't Michael Clayton. It was uh, with Ryan Gosling. The uh, is it the, the Ides of March? Is that yeah, Ides of March, yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was good. Um, but the, just the subject matter and, and uh, going back, this movie was when it was f- actually finally released – it was released as an X. It oh, was wow. a. It was almost like a banned movie. Uh, or um, uh, I remember the first time I watched uh, 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 Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, and I, I told my friend Diane. She goes, uh, she goes, you better be careful. She goes, that might be on like some kind of a a, a list <laughs> of subversive movies, and this one was on a list like that, and I'm sure that was too. Um, but. Silo 120 Days of Sodom, if you watch that, and I think it's an artistic masterpiece, it's a distasteful, yeah. horrible thing, you know, but that's the point. But um, comparing that to this, and it was probably right on the same list besides, you know, okay, we can't put this out, it's going to be shelved, and then when we do put it out, we'll put it out as an X rating. You watch this movie, there's nothing in it. No. There's no, there's no, like, there's nothing. The, the word homosexual is in it. <laughs> right. And 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 uh, somebody, you know, uh, uh, when they're trying to uh, intimidate uh, the barrister. Far, yeah, Bogart, Millville. They, they write on, on his garage door in big, you know, whitewashed letters, you know, Far is a queer. Yeah. And they said that was even a big thing, that you weren't allowed to use the word homosexual. You weren't allowed to use the word queer. And, uh, you know, unless you, you know, fucking punch somebody and he said, oh, he was on Queer Street or whatever, you know. Um, so there was just so many stupid little things like that. But it's an interesting movie. That's one of the reasons I wanted to wanted to, to review it and talk about it is just because of uh, it's just such a different time uh, and looking at how things have changed um, progressively from, I mean, from the time I was in high school or the time I was in college, I mean, things are like are, are progressing almost like a freight train now. Mm-hmm. When you look at how um, uh, we're we're getting state after state after state that uh, that's that are making um, uh, gay marriage legal, North and, Carolina, yeah, and then you see the the um, the 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 the, the asshole uh bitter ignorant hateful people still trying to hang on by their by their their claws like they'll pass the law and then they'll well we're gonna try and strike it down and mm-hmm. then we're gonna go to the, the to the state supreme court and then the supreme and they get it gets stricken down every time and people on that side can't see that they're on the same side as people that were like we should still have slaves 
you know, as opposed to people that are like, listen, this is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're on the wrong side of this thing and you need to fucking get on the right side of it. Um, so it's just an interesting movie and, and an interesting topic. And I thought we, yeah. you know, we definitely I mean, would get some, it's, it's well put together. Um, it, it's almost like the, the way it's lit is almost like noir at times. Like some of it's during the day, but there's a lot of interior shots with like some really drastic underlighting and stuff. And like, really gives it the kind of like this ominous feel at times. It's it's a it's a lightweight thriller when it's all said and done. Uh because I mean there's a little mystery there of who who's doing what and um it's not just like this political statement, which I thought was pretty cool. Um I mean it's universally well acted. There's not really any Well base. and you know um Bogart it showed a lot of courage at this time for him to make this fucking movie yeah. because in the same instance, and I'm not, I, I'm not going to, uh, when I started to, when I was thinking about this and starting to say it, I don't want it to sound like I'm putting rock Hudson down because he hung on to being in the closet a lot longer um, because, you know, it's everybody's choice and there's so much, so there was so much pressure. And when you have your entire acting career like i said as bogart was from what i read was known as like a heartthrob kind of a guy like almost like a james dean or something yeah. like that uh who also you know people speculate and there's people that know him said that he was gay um rock hudson on the other hand you know he was like i've said before on the show my mom's favorite actor she he was this heartthrob that she thought was the perfect man she probably it would be like if we had a picture of salma hayek up on a <laughs> on a on a you know on on the hot screaming mike's hot tub which is just like a bunch of leches and perverts and circle jerks you know from what i understand and anyway. then somebody tried to tell us that she was a republican yeah <laughs> what <laughs> um so Fuck. but um <laughs> it's I, I really think that I mean, this is a guy that's putting it on the line. Yeah. At this point in time in his career and saying, you know, hey, I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I this maybe this story needs to be told and I'll do the movie. I don't give a shit. And this easily could have destroyed his career, which you know It didn't. Uh, this was a turnaround, right? Right. And I think that uh I think that there were and still even today are there are actors that are or like that, that are yeah. worried. But the things are progressing, and 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 I think this is a movie that uh, you know, it's it's an important film. Yeah, and they um, one 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 thing I noticed about it that was pretty uh pretty interesting was um how I was tr- thinking as I was watching it how this how things would have been handled differently if this was an American movie because there's a lot of very British things in it. Like I think the first thing I noticed was how pleasant the policemen are when they're questioning uh, oh, yeah. boy. Or Jack, or whatever his name was. Um, <laughs> like, there's some people that do some pretty, um, like, just behave pretty disgustingly. But like in the in the U.S., he would have been like ridiculed in the U.S. movie. You know, he would have been picked on or beaten up at the, at the when they were interrogating her or whatever. But the the cops are very pleasant when they're asking questions. You always have questions. the stiff, yeah, the stiff upper lip where it's just not. It's not um, even when the guy is in the barber shop and he's intimidating the guy Mm -hmm. he's still like oh we might uh have an accident or something dear and you know he had some he had he had a good line the when the with the barber when melville goes to see him he's like you know they 
he he like has remorse like he feels like but well because he's looked down on but right. you know he says nature played me a dirty trick i deserve some peace and quiet and i was like fuck like it's just like he's he, he feel they feel helpless i can't i i'm i was gonna look up and i can't remember who plays that the motorcycle guy but he also played the uh gestapo guy in the um clint eastwood <laughs> richard burton um World War II movie, which I can't fucking remember. Well, there you go. That makes sense then. <laughs> but he was good in that too. He just has this look and just, and, and, um, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I just, I, and then I, there's that, a, a scene when the, the, the police chief says to like his main detective, like something, he mentioned something about him being very Puritan because the detective is saying, you know, like homosexuality is wrong and all this stuff. And, and, you know, the police chief mentioned something about it being very Puritan, and the guy's like, "There's nothing wrong with that." And yeah, the, the police chief seems like he's starting to lean more towards. Yeah, he's like, "Well, there was a time when being Puritan was against the law as well." Yeah, which uh, is- uh, the the guy that plays the motorcycle guy is Darren Nesbitt, and the movie I, I was thinking of, is, yeah, "Where Eagles Dare." Okay. Um, is the one where he plays the Gestapo guy, and he's he's very good. And now that I'm looking at his picture on here; he looks like Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> <laughs> what if he's still he's still around? He's 2014. He just made a fucking movie. There you go. And he was in Flawless. Is that the one with De Niro and Philip Seymour Hoffman? Uh, no, nah, that's uh, Michael Caine and Demi Moore. Michael yeah, he's Caine. still he's still around and kicking. But there's a there's a few twists in there about who might be doing the blackmailing. It's got a pretty rewarding reveal, I thought. Um, you know, and I like that we are, we feel sympathy for, for everybody we're supposed to feel sympathy for. Like they could have gone down an easier route and had his wife be a total bitch to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you feel bad for her situation and you feel really bad for Melville Farr. You feel really bad for boy. The bookstore owner I thought was a pretty interesting character. And then Mm -hmm. like, all the people that end up being involved with the blackmailing, like all of them are pieces of shit. Like you don't, yeah. you just like all of them. You don't feel, and it's, it's nice. It's, it's a, it's, it's wrapped up well. And well, um, I know I, from a thing, you know, I, I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, oh, um, this ties in with, uh, with a movie. Also, I was reading about uh, the uh, Buford Pusser, the sheriff that they based uh, the movie walking tall, mm-hmm. walking tall Two and final chapter, walking tall. And I was reading about his story, and he was also a professional wrestler at one time. Just throw that in there. Um, but the, there Did were it? three guys that uh, were involved in killing his wife. And one of them, the, the, what it was called was the Dixie – the, the Dixie Mafia was almost like the Christopher Walken in uh, At Close Range. They weren't really like a Cosa Nostra Mafia. They were just a bunch of scumbags that kind of were linked together that would steal stuff and, and murder and everything. Well, the one guy that, um, that was involved in that, he, and, and they think he, well, he's in prison. I think he finally died in prison. Um, when he was in prison, he had a blackmail ring going on where they would put ads in the paper, um, uh, from jail somehow, I guess it's because he knew people outside of jail and they contact, they would put ads like in, in newspapers and lonely hearts, things and stuff like that. And they would get these men who would send in stuff for like, uh, like write pen pal letters, gay, uh, pen pal letters and stuff like that. And then they would blackmail the guys. Mm. 
And so that was actually something that was t- going on from within a prison, and they would have these guys send them money with threats of blackmailing. Jesus. Them. So it actually something, and and even today, you know, you probably wouldn't be on the newspaper; it would probably be on fucking on the internet on uh, some dating website or some like adult friend finder or something like that, where they would get you in a compromising position and say, well, you're married, but you're on here talking about sucking somebody's dick or, or, or doing something, you know, with a whatever. Right. And blackmail you. So it's, it's just, it's funny how, um, parasites and, uh, I, I keep saying villains because that's more of a, of a, uh, a British term. I, when I was watching the thing about the craze, I was thinking about watching again, the, uh, Richard Burton movie villain, but, uh, they're, they're always just looking for, they're looking for a victim. The name of this movie, uh, they're looking for someone to exploit or uh, the weak, the weak, um, gazelle in the mm-hmm. herd, you know, to single out and, 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 uh, exploit. Well, uh, we could go, we can, re- uh, rate this because I don't have a lot else to add on top. Oh my gosh! It's uh, see. I didn't think about rating. I would probably give this. Um, there's nothing really wrong with it, mm-hmm. except a guy trying to flush like pages from a scrapbook down the toilet, and I don't know how he. Was, he <laughs> I don't know what he thought was going to happen there. Yeah, it's like that thing must have had a hole in it and a huge uh, buckets of water. <laughs> it was just like a barrel full of water, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would give this a. Uh, like an 8.75 nice. um i think it's really good i don't think there's anything wrong with it even uh, i can't even say anything about it being dated because i think that's a uh, that actually adds to it yeah that's part of it that it yeah. needs it needs that with what it is because if this if this film was made today it would not have the same impact unless they made it edgier yeah, it is um, a lot more subdued. Yeah. If it was like if it was made in New York or something like like I said, almost like a I think fifty two pickup with Roy Scheider and um and um oh, fuck, what the hell with that redheaded chick's name? <laughs> <laughs> and Margaret. It was more it was like a, a sleazy black man. For it to go over in the States, if it was a sleazy thing with like Harvey Keitel or somebody who's somebody who's like really sleazy like and uh, what's Abel Ferrara directing it or whatever? <laughs> yeah, then it's. But I was gonna say maybe that's something that 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 takes some points off is that it is so much more subdued uh, that it's not like uh, it's not something that is exciting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that's also a plus as yeah. as far as it, it could have easily went that way, but it didn't. So yeah, I mean. I give it an eight. I think it's really good. Um, I mean, I think the only the only negative I would think about it is just the pacing in general, because you know it, it it's trying to be a thriller and it is a little uh, deliberately paced at times. But um, it's uh, for a movie of its time, it it's a standout. I'd say, especially with subject matter and stuff like that, and and the acting's pretty good. I mean, I I, I was impressed. So. Dig it. Cool. Uh, why don't we take a break and come back and talk about another uh, <laughs> another highbrow classic, <laughs> The Case of the Bloody Iris. We'll be right back. Yes, yes. If I had a podcast, I'd podcast in the morning. I'd podcast in the evening, all over the shrine. I talk about Hamlet. I talk about Amicus. I talk about every tiny wish blank in between. 
especially about Neil Cotterine. Habakish.com Or, I'm going to try this one. Yikes. Perce che che strane gocce di sangue sul corpo di Jennifer. Jesus. Which is, uh, I'd have to look that one up. It's also known as, i got to find this because it's actually a pretty cool title. Uh, it's, what are these drops of blood on Jennifer's body or something like that? Yeah, what are these drops of blood? Okay. Um... So yeah, this is a uh, this is a giallo. Uh, we haven't done one in a while. This is directed by. Well, I guess you want to synopsize real quick. So go ahead. And well, do okay, I'll do it. Okay. Beautiful young model Jennifer Lonsberry <laughs> and her goofy friend, her goofy friend uh, Marilyn Rishi, move into a swanky high-rise apartment after the previous tenants get. Brutally murdered. Pretty soon, Jennifer is being stopped by a mysterious killer. Probable suspects include a predatory lesbian neighbor, a weird <laughs> old woman, and her deformed son. Even the building's handsome architect, who suffers from severe blood phobia. That was written I by love, Woody Anders. I love the cast of characters of this movie. Yeah. Um, so this stars uh, Edvige Finnick and... Uh, we said that we were we were contemplating trying to get through the entire review without talking about her tits, but Jesus Christ, her tits are perfect. Jesus Christ, I made it. I made it five seconds. Glorious, um, glorious. She she is by far the most normal person in this movie. <laughs> um, what were you saying? No, I said her tits were glorious. Oh my God, she she yeah, she was glorious for quite quite a long time, even when she got older. Very coogie and delicious. Um. But the cast of characters in this, I mean, it's just wonderfully ridiculous. Um, well, I guess she's a supermodel. So, I mean, they're, I guess she, she's the most grounded, though. You've got, I mean, this is like Days of Our Lives type shit here. You've got her, she's got this very obsessed ex-hippie estranged husband who has this thing with flowers <laughs> and follows, follows her around. You have a very minor character, but still an interesting one. This like this chick with an afro whose job it is to wrestle guys at clubs, and the prize if they win is to bang her on the stage. I think um, the architect who apparently not only designed the building, but who is in charge of helping people move in, <laughs> and has a weird like weird blood thing where he as soon as he sees blood, he gets sick. Um, a very uh, eccentric violinist who has a stay-at-home lesbian daughter <laughs> it's kind of creepy herself uh it's it's good mix here it's a it's a pretty uh pretty out there i appreciate that 
Um, it's directed by uh, Giuliano Carnimeo. Uh, Carnimeo. Um, I don't know that I've seen anything that he's done. He did a couple Sartana movies. Uh, he did. He did Exterminators of the Year 3000, which I may have seen because I've seen a shitload of post-apocalyptic movies. Yeah. Um, oh, that looks bad. But yeah, it does. <laughs> he is not... He yeah, is not be. a... He had to have been, you know, where if you consider Italian movies B-movies, he would have been a B-Italian movie director, I think. Yeah. He made a shitload of movies, though. Yeah. I mean, but they're all like... All of his movies seem to be follow-ups to something bigger, and yeah. this was this is really no different. Um, this is no, you know, this is no Sergio Martino. This is no uh, um, Dennis uh, Hopper, Lindsay. What? Dennis Hopper or Bava? Excuse me, not Lindsay. I don't know. Did it, did Lindsay do Umberto Lindsay? He did mostly Euro crimes. I don't know if he did any. Uh, let's see. Umberto Lindsay. I'm sure he did at least a couple giallo. Oh, he did Seven Bloodstained Orchids. That one's pretty good. Um, Didn't we do that one? Did we do that one? No, we did... Uh, For some reason, I think I saw that, though. It's possible. We did. Oh, he did Eyeball, which I think is another one. He did... Um, Eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we did uh, we did a Argento one. Hmm. Anyway. Um, but... This really, this movie, you know, that not the, the fact that he's not a heavy hitter, it makes it kind of surprising that for me at least, this movie, like, it's in the conversation of Giallo that are, you know, important to see. It's not just a throwaway. Um, as, you know, as we mentioned, Edwidge Edw- 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 Finnick, who, I mean, she is gorgeous in this movie. And she is, uh, you know, she's serviceable as Jennifer. They cast her well. And um, she's got the whole Nancy Drew thing going on. She's trying to solve the mystery. And uh, George Hilton is the other kind of big name there who plays the the architect with the blood fear. Uh, plays His name is Andrea Barto. And um, he's very good, too. Um, so what you have is a... Um, well, I mentioned the ridiculous characters. It's set up with... The the killer is introduced early on, which they interestingly kind of almost make a circle at the end, and I don't know what they were trying to go with there, but um, but this guy kind of just for for whatever reason stalks, or they don't really say it's guy or girl, but it, I always assume guy for whatever reason in these movies. Uh, whenever I watch Giallo, I just watched I watched Deep Red last night, and it's the same kind of thing. I just assume it's always a guy because. Usually when they dress them up, um, there's uh, there's F-13's rules, the uh, triple B, the uh, boobs, black gloves, and uh, what's the other B? <laughs> Blood. Um, and this doesn't have the black gloves, but it does have these really gross-looking, like, thick latex gloves. But usually when they dress these killers up, they got the broad shoulders because of whatever coat they're wearing, and they're usually wearing masculine clothes. It's not just like. But I, I have seen them switch that up though, because yeah, uh, there, I don't know if it was one I just watched or one that we watched with a, somebody was on a motorcycle all the time with a motorcycle helmet, 
and then in the end, it oh, was... oh, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it ended up, but 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 the entire time when you're seeing the person with the helmet on, uh, you could tell that it was a probably a dude, and then when and right, right. <laughs> but um, so it starts off uh, the uh, this woman is that I don't even remember if she's named, um. But it gets to the killing pretty quickly, and there, and there's a nice variety of kills in this movie. If that's your thing, I mean, the killer mainly uses this weird, like, pretty vicious looking. I don't know if it's a scalpel or what, but this really yeah, fucked like up looking scalpel. knife, giant blade on this scalpel, like all curved up. But um, this woman's invited upstairs uh, via payphone downstairs, uh, and she takes this single elevator up, which that single elevator actually makes for uh, the the whole like the structure of this building it plays a part in what kind of what goes on but the uh it, it does lead for a funny part too and that that's the only elevator because it, there's this pretty great shot where the camera pans down to all these pissed off people on the first floor saying send the fucking elevator down <laughs> and then it pans turns upside down almost zooms all the way back up and the guy's like there's a murder up here assholes shut the hell up yeah. um that's exact quotes the <laughs> <laughs> take the steps chubby but this woman that goes up there, um, I love the way they set up this scene because the elevator keeps getting more and full, more full, and then it starts emptying out as it goes more and more towards the top floor where it ends up. It's just this the guy with these weird I don't I could I thought they were leather at first, but they looked like this like thick rubber later on. I couldn't tell what this gloves were. Yeah, they made almost of. looked like they were gold almost like a gold color. Yeah. Or something. I couldn't tell if I could you could see through them or not, but they don't they look they look kind of they look like they'd smell like old cigarettes, but <laughs> the um, but the the killer kind of corners her. She knows some shits up, and you know you get the whole like the blade in the flesh. Your favorite slashes her throat and has some uh, nice pastel red blood. Um, but the, the 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 shot, you know, I mentioned the shot up the stairs. This movie overall is, I love the how stylishly shot it is. The uh, lots of little little flourishes um, as far as like, eh, which is pretty common for these sorts of movies, but zooming in on people's eyes, lots of mirror type stuff. There's um, kind of low perspective stuff like that. That's really out of the ordinary for a typical thriller. Um, that's not out of this time period, but there's a where there's really good shot later on is uh, when I love this scene. And th- I think Argento did this one too in Tenebrae. With uh, Finnick, she gets caught like taking her shirt off, and she's looking at this guy in a mask through the fabric of her shirt, and she's she's caught in it because her hands are over her head, and he's holding her wrists so that she's like caught on a net almost. It's a little silly, but it's a it, it leads to a great looking moment, and uh, you even get to see some like uh, fucking going on in a reflection on a TV screen, so that's kind of cool. But um. The everybody what I one one thing I did notice which was kind of weird is everybody seems pretty callous towards death in this movie. <laughs> like people just kind of walk off, you know? <laughs> and like I mean, like a woman gets stabbed in the gut in the middle of the movie and she's falling over with blood pouring out of her out of, between her hands and people are just walking by her in the street. Yeah, that was a little bit I don't I don't think that, you know, come on. I'm I'm curious though 
if I'm kind of curious when I watched that because it was so obvious that they weren't even looking at her that yeah. it was kind of like a budgetary thing and they just had her out in the street and the people didn't know that there was a movie being filmed. Either that or they did and they were just like, okay, fuck, you know. I I got- mean, oh my God, if you saw somebody sitting there with like holding their stomach and blood's pouring out and they're like in <laughs> yeah. distress. But like, like the, really the, <laughs> when they discovered the woman in the elevator at the beginning, like the, the wrestler chick, just like, I'm late for work. And I mean, she screamed a little bit when she discovered it, but she's like, I'm late for work. And she takes the stairs. The old woman just like, eh, and just wanders off. She was late. <laughs> she was late. And you don't want to miss her job. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, her- so that's like uh, fucking stripes. Uh, where they, when uh, John Candy goes in there and they have the hot chick and you think, I don't know what these guys think. You know, like you said, oh, I'm going to get to go in there and feel her up. Well, you know, the it's like fucking Ronda Rousey. They're going to fucking kick you in the balls and beat the fucking shit out of you. Yeah. And I don't want that. She, she made me think of you with because I, I was expecting her, somebody's head to get squeezed in between her thighs. But yeah, I like that. But she all she did. And this guy gave up after he got his head squeezed by her ankles. I was like, come on. Yeah, you got to give up on something better than that. Classification of Italy, right there. <laughs> the um, <laughs> I did think she was going to squeeze his head when she jumps over him with her legs spread out, but then she does this like back somersault instead. So that was a little, that was a little disappointing. But you know, I mentioned it when before we started recording this part. Um, this is the if you've seen the picture of Edward Edvidge Finnick with uh, she's got this like, it looks like she's wearing a motorcycle outfit. And the first time I saw it, I thought it was just a very sheer shirt. But what it is, is like the jacket that she would be wearing, wearing riding this motorcycle, is just painted on. And if if you're a fan of her naked, this is a good one for you because they find any fucking excuse to get her top off in this movie. She's running away when she's dressing. She gets caught while dressing. She There's a flashback where she's getting covered in flowers. There's, uh, uh, well, there, there's, there's, this part where she's shooting topless, there's the sex scene. There's, she's she's taking it off quite often, and yeah, oh, um, but they there some time passes, a little clumsily handled, I thought, but t- some time passes, and that's when she moves into this place. I still couldn't figure out exactly why. Andrea was had anything to do with their moving into the building that he designed. I don't know. <laughs> didn't he come to see her at the photo shoot too? Like, I don't know. But um, hey, if I, if I knew a girl that had tits like that and they were out all the time, I would find every reason to. Yes, pop like into. I designed this building. You should move in, <laughs> please. Maybe we can date. Um, <laughs> but no see, thanks. Yeah, that's. I just like you as a friend. That's what it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't even be the friend. It'd be like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't. Even, I don't even want you as a friend. I'll see you in the hallway at some point, maybe. Yeah. Um, Please don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> but she moves in with her. Uh, now she's Jennifer. She's the the Jennifer of the synopsis the, of the blood dripping on the body. Um, she she thinks she sees this guy kind of stalking her. And they don't say who it is at first. I mean, we do find out who it is, but she kind of sees this guy kind of lurking in the in the shadows. Um, love the lens flare that goes on after this, and then like the echoes of her walking around this 
There's a lot of like abandoned areas that people seem to walk through. But uh, <laughs> my next note is she really is naked a lot. Um, <laughs> but they, that's when they kind of start in in true giallo fashions. They start setting up the uh, the red herrings. You know, they make people do um, suspicious things. I guess you could say um, to maybe say, oh, okay, that could be who it is. That could be who it is. And I, I like how they do that because there's this, this one kept me guessing. And at the same time, it wasn't so like obtuse that it was hard to keep up with. You weren't like, it didn't, nothing felt like a giant leap to me. Thought it was pretty well constructed with that. Um, but you know, you've got that, like I said, her crazy ex who, with the flower things. And I think that's where, that's where the, uh, the bloody Iris story comes in because he's got this thing with her covering her with flowers or whatever. But, um, I thought it was uh pretty ironic to jump back a little bit that the wrestler chick, uh, she uses a flashlight for her job, but then has to light a match to see at home <laughs> when the power's <laughs> out. <laughs> Like she uses a flashlight to point at guys to come wrestle her on stage, but she can't even fucking turn the lights on at home. Um, but the um, the way she is murdered, Jesus Christ, that was a pretty fucked up way. I like that one. That made me feel really anxious. Yeah, that one was pretty messed up. So I, I'm recording again. Um, but the, um, the 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 crazy roommate of Jennifer like plays a prank. Which leads to a pretty funny moment when uh, she uh, she's standing there covered in bubbles, naked, and she says to Andrea, "Like, hey, big boy, what's the matter? You act like he you did it." And he pops the shit out of her. <laughs> uh, something you don't see in movies too much anymore. She was goofy, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you get the red herring of him having that weird thing with the sight of blood, and uh, the hippie ex, like I mentioned. Um, Andrea had a really weird line later on. I, I, they kind of jump into him kind of dating Jennifer also, but he says he has this kind of creepy line to her when they're in the car. He's like, don't thank me just yet. Wait till I make it with you and you find out what a bastard I really am. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, there's a, there's a guy in it. The actor's name is uh, Franco Agostini. This guy I liked a lot. He was the kind of he was the detective that was tasked with tailing the the architect, the, the f- kind of funny one. Yeah, God, I yeah. liked him. Like there's a part with him <laughs> eating a sandwich and all this stuff. Like he was funny. I I don't know where I've seen him before or if I even have, but she I liked that character. Gets in the balls. <laughs> that was funny. But um, they 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 throw a nice curveball in here with the, this kind of unexpected suspect buying some magazines and you know it's a nice culmination the kind of bringing all the remaining suspects together essentially at the same time and uh there's a there's there's a dummy fall in there which was pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. um but you know i mean even that even that even though even though it's a it's a cheap looking dummy fall there's a really great camera angle to finish it off that uh pretty adds some impact so I don't know. I like this one a lot. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah. The um, the tent uh, for the you know Jali thing um, because it had some 
very hot chicks and so uh, and lots of tit and then it did have a little bit of humor and stuff in it it didn't it wasn't and, and um even though the the bathtub thing was it almost makes you feel like claustrophobic and mm-hmm. your fear of drowning and stuff kicks in and everything um anything's better than the just the stabbing in the gut <laughs> and the flesh and the stabbing Blah. um <laughs> I like that the 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 blood um the blood phobia thing I thought was kind of goofy but I like how they they uh actually followed up on it and showed why he had that and yeah. it made sense you know um let's see that photographer at the beginning was um uh, when I was talking about in victim, when they have these stereotypical, uh, <laughs> yes, gay, that would be so, that would be the stereotype. Oh, he was so so bad. Um, let's see. I actually took some notes on this. Um, I want to start a cult. I think that would be awesome, especially if you had like a whole bunch of girls and you were the godlike uh, uh, Jesus figure that they that that uh, th- they had to fuck uh, because yeah, if you could uh, rope in Penick, it. I think you'd be doing all right. Yeah, oh yeah, and I would stalk her too. I, I would. I she would be a hard one to give up. When you had <laughs> something like that, uh, it would be hard to to just think. Okay, I'm never going to have this again. <laughs> um, she was hot. God damn. Um, let's see. Uh, there was, oh, the, when, uh, the, the commissioner made a comment, um, or the captain or whatever he was, he made a comment. Let's face it. Everyone wants to, wants to, uh, have sex with a black girl <laughs> or every yeah. man wants a black girl. That was kind of funny. Um, they, I don't know if it was her, which one I had a note about a breakaway shirt. So one of the girls, the guy grabbed him and just and just like ripped her shirt off. Oh, like that it was, was her. Nothing. Yeah, because yeah, she gets she gets disrobed inadvertently a couple times. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't like a button up like silk shirt. It would be like a sweater or something that you would think would be kind of stretchy. But he just like <laughs> ripped it off, so it must have been cut. Um, let's see. Yeah, the the one scene where the um, I want to call him the deputy, but he was like just the, the, the goofy cop. He, he was making it. I always love in these movies when someone's like, uh, they bring their lunch and, and to work and like, he's sitting in his car and he pulls out this like big, uh, piece of, uh, like a uh, French bread that's sliced in two and he starts slapping on cold cuts <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, wouldn't you just make it beforehand, you know, and then wrap it up? Well, you uh, say that, but a guy at work today, he brought his him. roll in a separate bag <laughs> and he had all of his toppings in a container and he was actually spreading dressing well, on his sandwich it, and building it, it right there. Or whatever, you know, uh, without a, and, if you put dressing and stuff on it, it might make the bread soggy. I yeah. can see their point, but I just, it's funny. And, um, she was talking to the commissioner and he was standing beside of her. And I, I don't know what the fuck she did, but she was just kind of swinging, flailing her arms around and accidentally hit him in the nuts. Um, <laughs> the burn makeup in this was, I think it was supposed to be burn makeup on the, uh, yeah, mentally yeah. challenged guy. Yeah. It was really bad. It looked like they kind of just took like some oatmeal or something and put it on his face. That, that, that red herring was bad. Uh, it was just bad. And he had kind of like when they showed his room, and it looked like this like tiny little one bed bedroom that had all these like little kid stuff up in it. It was just that was kind of dumb. <laughs> um, let's see. 
Steam on Lesbian. <laughs> yeah. That was during the, yeah, I actually remember what happened there. Uh, she was pretty, pretty um, over the top as a predatory, yeah. you know, uh, uber uh, hypersexual lesbian, you know, which was, it's fine with me, but I mean, it's just still kind of, uh, uh, but I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, um, it. It was, like you said, for, for this guy being kind of a, uh, poopy B movie director. I mean, this, this is, is one this of the. This has got to be the top of the list. For it him. was pretty entertaining as far as a as as a giallo goes, and I haven't seen that many, but I liked it. Yeah, very very well shot, like interesting looking. Um, and I was surprised I laughed a few times. So that was that was impressive too, and lots of the boobs. So. Yeah, you can't lose with that, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some more stuff with her in it. That's right. The most the main thing I remember with I did what did we review that had her in it? I thought there I don't was know some, that we've ever done a movie with her in it. But I just remember like um, one of the promos where they uh, you know she takes her top off for no apparent reason. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, that was uh, and, a, that was an outside the cinema. Time. Yeah, and, then, she, and that's let's see. I don't know that we've ever done anything with her in it. Let's. I'm, I'm looking well, we through. All Kitties Go for Sweeties is a movie she was in. <laughs> All Play the Game or Leave the Bed. Um, 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 no, I don't I don't think we have. Oh, well. Naughty Nun. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. She was in a bunch of like sex comedies too, so she wasn't only in these kind of movies. Sex with a smile. Erotic exploits of a sexy seducer. <laughs> there you go. That one dude, that 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 uh, ex boyfriend guy, he was a little bit of. I mean, it's like, goddamn, dude. You know what the fuck? You're being awful. I mean, I I knew he was a, a crazy cult guy, but you know, come on, man. I mean, if on. that guy can score her, I I feel a little more confident. Yeah, but it was like that was like a Charles Manson thing or something, you know. <laughs> she was in a movie called A Police Woman on the Porno Squad. If you're a cult leader, <laughs> you know, you you just kind of have to uh, they, they just take it a little too far. You know, it's like Jim Jones, I mean, he was fucking all those women, Charles Manson, right? But then they just get a little too you take it know, too far. Yeah, just be happy with what you have. You, you got be something happy that with most that people will never have. You got you got these dummies that are giving you money. And and uh, and puss and a harem, yeah, fuck, yeah. Dude. And so you know, why do you have to like? You, you know, you should never start believing your own shit. <laughs> you know, keep it like a you know, make uh, believe it as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Don't ever let the facade always always keep the uh, you know uh, the kayfabe up. But in your mind, you have to know that you're you're not like Jesus. Or maybe they don't. Maybe that's yeah. the problem. Wouldn't it be weird if they were Jesus? You know, Every single one of them. He came keeps as trying over and over yeah. again to come back. Came as a lamb and returned as the lion. Yeah. Uh, Sex crazed Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Anyway, we could rate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed this one a lot. It's a it's nice, pacey, stylish. Yeah. Um, the the soundtrack's pretty good. Um, I don't remember it standing out all that much, but I, I remember liking what I heard. Um, and F- Finnick is a highlight all the time. You, you, she's she's a magnet for the eyeballs. Um, 
I give this one an eight out of ten. It's, it's gory enough, but it had some had a couple laughs. I don't know if they were intentional or not, but uh, you know, I thought I had a lot of fun with it. I was surprised I hadn't seen it. I thought I had. Well, I think there were some some intentional laughs and some not intentional laughs that were fucking pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I give it an eight. Also, nice. I thought it was very good. Excellent. Nice uh, snappy review. Let's take a break and do you want to do a little feed sack to catch up? Do we have some feed sack? Yeah, a couple emails. I can read those. Good. We'll be right back. Do you find yourself looking for a different type of genre podcast? Do you find yourself on the weekends wondering when you will find that one film that might change your life? Well, then maybe you should check out The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with your host Big Willie and the Samurai. Bringing class to the trash since 1977 and rocking the house. You can find The Gentleman at ggtmc.com. to the trash. I've got a word or two to say about the things that you do. You're telling all those lies about the good things that we can have if we close our eyes. Do what you want to do. Uh, feed sack. <sighs> we have one from Armin. I don't remember if I played this one on. It's so old. I don't know if I should hold on to it or not. I mean, it's like I can't remember when we did feed sack last. But anyway, I'll start with this one. Uh, we got one that was uh, from somebody's trip out west. I think. Here's this one. Mikey. All right, next feed sack. <laughs> hey, Dr. Zom. 
black beans. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for keeping up the SNG podcasts rolling in. I miss the dynamic duo of Zom and Loaf, but I know you're that you're, but know that you're doing great on the solo shows. Uh, I'm going to check out Borgman, Borgman, and uh, this weekend and Baba Duke when it hits DVD. Based on the reviews, they sound excellent. I'm in the middle of reading Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, so the review of The American Dreamer was a nice surprise. Uh, From the book and your review, Hopper sounded like a real monster, which is not what I had built up in my head. Keep up the comic talk. I love it. Thanks for putting together a great show, as always, and take care. Uh, Matt from Omaha. Mm. I don't know if he's written in before. You know, okay, quick quick reviews of Borgman and Babadook. Borgman uh, confounded me. <laughs> uh, I still don't know if I knew what it was going on by the end, but it was very interesting. Babadook was a little by the numbers for me as far as horror goes in that well done, it looked good, but I am not scared by that kind of horror movie, so I found it kind of boring. Well, that's probably why I liked it because I I don't like to be scared. Yeah, see, I like, <laughs> yeah, and like I, I I think it's a standout for horror movies, but I ended up being bored by it because I didn't it, it didn't really phase me so, and it was kind of going for that, but the yeah. bu- the book looked really good, um, it was cool, but Boardman was really the, good. One of those books. What's that? I want one of those pop up. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially if they could pop out as far as that one did. That thing was yeah. crazy. Um, and one other email from Ralph. Um, hi, Zom and Loaf, if you're there. Uh, Got to say that I'm very happy with you, Zom, keeping the show alive. Don't, don't know when or if Loaf will return. I don't either. But if life gets in the way of podcasting, you just got to kick it in the ass. Life, I mean. Seriously, hope to hear from you soon and hoping for a month worth of stuff that you've watched. Uh, if this show stays a solo one, I want to encourage Zom to continue. Although I couldn't give a crap about some comic books you've read. Here, <laughs> <laughs> here in Germany, comics aren't that popular, and I don't even know most of these superheroes. But your food reviews and childhood stories are certainly interesting and entertaining. As I've never been to the States, it's like a lesson in American culture. Um, I also have some movie-related question as the as questions as the last two times I wrote in. Uh, it was more about wrestling and porn. Two topics you most certainly do not care for, wink. So, Zom, and Loaf, if you're there, what is your opinion on modern HK cinema? I know that you reviewed Vengeance some while ago, and as I've dug deep into Hong Kong cinema lately and watched almost all of Johnny Toe movies, I was wondering if you enjoy it as well or if you can give any recommendations. Plus... Or do you want to answer that while we, before I keep going? I answered that one last week for me, so you can answer it. I, I can tell you, I I don't know the last time I watched a recent Hong Kong movie. Like, I watch Korean movies. Johnny Toe I watch, and I've liked all of his movies, but I think he might be the only like recent Hong Kong output that I've watched. And speaking of Korean movies, I watched um, Sea Fog the other day, and it was really fucking good. Hmm. Uh, sea Fog, S-E-A? S-E-A. It, it, it is a, a movie about a boat of fishermen uh, attempting to smuggle people across the sea from China back to Korea. Hmm. And it's pretty good and and kind of dark. So, 
Um, his other question, plus, how do you like the movies of Michael Mann? As he is my favorite filmmaker, I'd like to know your favorites and opinion on him. He has three films in my all-time top ten, Heat being number one, Thief number four, and The Insider number seven. You want to answer that one? I done did it. Oh, you done did it. Um, done did it. Oh, you read this last week, didn't you? I, I, haven't li- I didn't listen to last week. Yeah, but you can add your... Um, Michael Mann is... I like his seven his uh his eighties output. Um well maybe. Uh Thief I'm a big fan of. Um The Keep I've not seen, but Manhunter we did on the show. I like that one. Um Heat I don't really remember. And then I guess Collateral was okay. Miami Vice, no interest in. Public enemies fucking killed him for me. Yeah, that's what I remembered you said. Oh, that was, oh my God. I don't usually fast forward through movies. I couldn't make it through that one. I had to skip parts of it. Um, I don't know. I, something about him doesn't always click. Uh, I like his older stuff better than his newer stuff, though. At least for me, it's more memorable. Um, and I guess, yeah, my favorites. Um, Thief would be there. Uh, Manhunter. That's really the two I remember the best. And then Public Enemies will be third. <laughs> what about Public Enemas? Public Enemas is 14th. Um, speaking of all-time faves, do you plan to do such uh, a show on such a list? It would be interesting to get to know your favorite movies. Um, I don't know. What did you answer to that? Um, I don't even remember. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's not something we've ever talked about. I guess we could do it like a bonus episode or something, but... It's hard for me to say it. It has to be what I'm in the mood for. Like, yeah. It's like to say an all-time favorite movie. I mean, and for me, the criteria might change because like movies that I've seen 5,000 times, I might consider a favorite just because I can go to them so much, but they might not be like, I don't know. That's hard to say. Um. Well, that's it for now. Did you read this whole thing and I'm just reading it again? I, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like I said, I just, because uh, he was asking about the, um, y- y- I yeah, yeah. To your, your okay, yeah, that's it for now. Fucking hot here for March, blah, 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 Rolf, oot, burp, fart, cricket noise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That was the last email. <laughs> Damn it. I should have listened to the show last week. You never listen to the show. I don't listen to the show ever. Why well, start now? For, yeah. So cool. Thank you guys for that. Um, you can always send us feed sack to 206-339-1600 or silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find our show on iTunes and on Stitcher and on our website, silvagold.com. And join our Facebook group where we'll be, we will, for at least for the immediate future, uh, be announcing what movies we'll be covering the following week, plus kind of posting our normal hijinks at facebook.com slash groups slash silver and gold and uh wrestling and gold is our other group so hop over there and talk new or old wrestling and uh i talked to a guy at one of my training sessions today about playboy buddy rose so <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a um buddy rogers fan from back in the day so oh geez yeah he's an older guy Went way back um so i think that's it for the show this week uh, Zom, do you have anything else to add? No. 
I just I, I do yeah add bathroom I do want to thank you again before you shit yourself the thanks again for keeping the keeping the show going I appreciate um, I appreciate what you did even it's like I, a fungus that just rolls on yeah can't get rid of us sorry guys well until next time this is a loaf oot zom bye bye oh you're good. Thank you.